once again, good morning. Hope you're going to get a great deal of encouragement and an anchor for your soul this morning. Uh, hey, how many people need some encouragement today and would enjoy some encouragement, all right? I want to encourage you this morning and with more than just a 15-minute sermon, okay? I know that will be encouraging on one level, but I really want to encourage us and we all need encouragement here's what the Bible says in Romans 15 it says the through the encouragement of the scriptures we can have hope and so so much of what we do as we read the Bible as we gather together in worship and as we meet together during the week is to encourage each other how often do we need encouragement well some of us may say I don't need that much encouragement I'm kind of independent you know I get by just fine on my own you know the Bible says you're mistaken if you feel that way you are mistaken. That's a nice way of saying, no, you're wrong. Yes, you do. Everybody needs encouragement, okay? And that's why the Bible says that daily we should encourage one another as Christians. And why? So we can keep our hearts good and pure and like that little child that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 18. Yeah, we all need encouragement. I actually have been, uh, knowing the kids were going to be here you know, this morning, or at least some of them, I kind of looked over some things on encouragement and parenting, you know, and I'm trying to be a better granddad, uh, Papa and Kelly and Mimi, and so I actually did something I don't normally do, read several psychological studies on the psychology of encouragement theory and applications, and uh, it's, it's very interesting. I really encourage you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, to kind of look into there and to see their very specific ways and modes of encouragement that accomplish a lot and some that really don't accomplish much at all. I love this quote I came across. A word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah. But now what does the Bible say? I want to encourage you to open up your Bible now to 1 Thessalonians, okay? I'm going to leave this thought with you and then give you a takeaway at the very end. The thought is this week, if you need some encouragement, and since we all do, and as you share encouragement with each other, read the book of 1 Thessalonians, and you're going to notice at the end of every chapter, it's very consistent, you know, because Paul is writing to encourage the church, he'll give them precisely the focus of their encouragement and what will really help them. And uh, the focus is completely and, and totally focused in the end of the, each one of those chapters on heaven, on the return of Jesus, on him coming back, and that that should like fill us up with incredible encouragement. That is the message of 1 Thessalonians. And so we've had this announced for a long time, the topic this morning, Jesus in heaven. We're in the middle of a series over the last uh, couple of months on fixing our eyes on Jesus. And this morning, it's going to be a very simple message about heaven. How about that? And about the fact that the more we think about heaven, the more encouragement we can get, and we won't be discouraged, and we'll have more energy and the ability to do the things that God really has in our heart. You know, heaven has been a prominent theme for a lot of years in, uh, in literature, in art, in songs, in film, there's a new film out called The Shack. Anybody heard about that? That kind of addresses this kind of idea of life after death and what comes next. And Heaven is for Real is a popular book a couple of years ago. I think they did a film about that as well. And there's all through uh, the decades, there have been these kind of efforts. Uh, song, I mean, there's some beautiful songs 
and lyrics as, we, as you think about heaven. I mean, who doesn't appreciate that song, I Can Only Imagine? Oh, yeah. I Can Only Imagine. And what that does to your heart and what that does to your soul. Now, all art and, uh, you know, in literature, um, as it thinks about heaven, is not so, well, elaborate, detailed, or elegant. Uh, others are fairly simple, like the caption on a tombstone over in South Alabama. It was, it was uh, memorializing a gentleman who had gone on and died. His name was Solomon Pease. And here's what is written on that tombstone. Here lies Solomon Pease, under the lily, under the trees. Pease is not here, only the pod. Pease has shelled out and gone home to God. All right. Maybe not quite as elegant as some other, you know, poems and sonnets about, about heaven, but it gets the job done, and the idea is we're all on a journey, aren't we? We are going somewhere. We're here now, and we will be gone, and we will be gone where? Somewhere. A hundred years from now, unlikely you'll be here. We will all be dead a lot longer than we're alive, okay? And so it makes a lot of sense to order your life and your priorities and your focus about really what our ultimate destination is all about. So thanks for dropping by on your way to heaven you know, today, and I hope that's where you're going, and if there's any question, let's work on that this morning by helping get our focus where it needs to be on heaven and eternal life. Okay, we're ready for that first verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's see how at the end of every chapter, there's a uh, encouragement about heaven, and not only just about that there's a place of, uh, of joy and peace after you die, but actually there's somebody waiting for you and preparing a place for you that's Jesus, and he's coming back to get us, either if we've already gone on or in paradise, or if we're alive at the time and caught up together with him in the air. Let's look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just going to hit a couple of verses here, the, the ending verses in each one of the chapters. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. They tell us, referring to that small church, they tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. And so there is this sense, and you see it all in our first century brothers and sisters, they, they were not just enjoying life and making disciples and, and building families. They were waiting expectantly. They were looking forward to the next step. They were anxiously praying and working hard to hasten on the return of Jesus because they understood how great it really was going to be and that he, in fact, was the one who would rescue them from the coming wrath. Now, that's a very interesting point, too. What's he talking about? Climate change? or maybe currency collapse, or economic Armageddon, bio-warfare, you know, um, what's he talking about? Well, just as our bodies are here for a little while, and they deteriorate, and they're gone, they're actually, we're here, we're eventually going to be destroyed, I mean, this little tent, you know, that we've got. The same thing with the heavens, the same thing with the earth, and there is this, there is this, this pulling of light and darkness that the Bible unveils. There's the good and evil. There's God, but there's also Satan. Does the Bible talk about the dark side? 
you bet, it has many different terms. Satan, the devil, the, the spiritual forces of evil, you know, in this world, the dark side. Yeah, they're angels, and yes, they're demons. There is a real spiritual world, and those of us who try to humanize everything around us and take out the spiritual, you just miss a massive point in the Scripture. Oh, yeah. And it will really affect the way you live and your priorities and how you view, you, you view life. No, there is a real spiritual battle, and there is a destination that everybody is heading to one or the other. And then he, t he tells us in uh, chapter 2, verse 19, okay, you probably can look right on the other side of, uh, of the page for you. Once again, here's what Paul says. What's our hope and our joy, our crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Another reference at the end of the chapter to the second coming, the return of Jesus. And then at the end of chapter 3, if you'll look over in verse 13, again, he has all of this great stuff in the middle, but he, he highlights it at the end of every chapter, as at least it's divided for us here, with an encouragement about heaven and the return of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 13. May God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God. The Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Jesus Christ is returning. He's coming back with the angels, and we'll do something in just a few minutes. And in the first century, they took communion every first day of the week when they came together. And the phrase they used, and Jesus said, you will do this until he comes, until he returns. And so Christians and disciples take this communion service, they take this bread you're going to get in a moment, they take this juice, and they think about Jesus Christ in not only gratitude for the sacrifice, but anticipation and excitement about the resurrection to come. Our resurrection. And this is until Jesus Christ returns. And so I'd like you to think a little bit about this as we take communion in just a few minutes, that not only did Jesus die for our sins, he's coming back for us and he's preparing a place for us that should give us some level of encouragement like a lot if we think about it and then in chapter 4 let's look at this at the uh, in verse 13 why this great crescendo brothers and sisters we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death see some people have already gone on and passed on they're no longer with them and there was there was curiosity well what happens like I thought Jesus was gonna come back and get us but, but see, some people die and wait in paradise for his return. Others will be there when he returns. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about that. So that you don't grieve or get down or you get discouraged or that you mourn or you, you hurt too badly. I don't want you to grieve, he says, like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I would say my most memorable kingdom kid moment Okay, since we have some of the children in here in the auditorium, we usually do on a Sunday morning. I say one of my most memorable Kingdom Kid moments. It happened in our Kingdom Kids uh, ministry out in California. And um, the, uh, the, the, the teacher was doing a great job teaching the kids about we get to heaven by the grace of God and the love of God and not just by our good works and not just by being better than Johnny or Susie. And so the teacher was just kind of doing a review, probably toward the end of the quarter, and he said, okay, guys, we want to talk about what you have to do to get to heaven. Okay, if you gave all your toys away to the poor, if you were always sweet to your mom, you know, and were really nice to everybody, would that get you to heaven? And the class goes, no, and they all do it in unison. She had them trained. Okay, what about if you came over to the church building and you cleaned up the church building and even the bathrooms, you know, and you helped out all, you know, would that get you to heaven? 
And the kids go, no, and go on with these set of questions. And then the, the teacher, this is literally what happened in our church, and then the teacher goes, so what do you have to do to get to heaven? And the little guy, one of our five-year-olds, put his hand up and said, you got to be dead. You got to be dead. The wisdom of children, right? You got to be dead. We got to die, gang. Our bodies got to get old and start falling apart if that's the way it goes out or if we go out on a plane crash or some other kind of thing. You got to be dead. Let's not get discouraged by that. Let's get excited about what's next because we're not like people who have no hope. That's what the Bible says. And he goes on in verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We do believe that, don't we, church? So we believe that God will bring Jesus with him with those who have fallen asleep. And then he says in verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet call of God. That's in chapter 4, verse 16. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, those of us who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. And then do you see the next phrase? Therefore, do what? Encourage each other with those words that's not just my responsibility or jeff's right okay we encourage each other how about let's encourage each other a little bit more about where we're going where we're going to be forever how awesome it really is going to be because jesus says this and he he puts this on our heart in john 14 i'm going to go fast because i'm going to try to stick to my time john 14 can you look and i'll quote or i'll quote and you listen jesus says don't let your hearts be discouraged. You remember? John 14, 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why does he say that? Because sometimes we get troubled and discouraged. It's just part of this human experience. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he says, John, 1, John 14, verse 1 and 2. He says, you know, in my Father's house there are how many rooms? Many rooms. Praise God. There are many rooms. And I'm going there. This is what Jesus said. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And hopefully it's not communal style where about a million of us are in one room. But you know like we got our own room. I'm sure it's going to be tailor-made to what your consummate reward is. I got you thinking there. Okay. No, it's just going to be a great room. It's going to be a great room for all of us. And Jesus says, if it weren't so, I would have told you. That's what he said. We can count on Jesus Christ, can't we? Yes. Everything he said came true yes. and will come true. And so the Bible tells us, let's get encouraged with this. Here's a bottom line for us or a takeaway for us as we wrap this up. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And I'm having to refer to a lot of passages. If you're quick on the, the trigger, you can get there, flip there, or you know, you know, uh, get there on your device. But, but it, it gives us the takeaway for Christians. Well, we should encourage one another, but what about this thing about heaven? Here's what he says in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, right after a passage on baptism, and we got a KSU student, a great young guy named Dalton, who's going to get baptized in just a few minutes. That's chapter 2, 12, and 13. But then a couple of verses later, he says, okay, because he says you've been buried with Christ and raised with him to a new life. That's uh, 2, 12, and 13. But chapter 3, verse 1, as he continues on, says, Since you have been raised with Christ. You remember? When you two were raised with Christ, as you came out of the waters of baptism by faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. Since you've been raised, 
set your minds and set your hearts on what? The things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And Jesus Christ, who is your life, you know, will give us the power and strength that he needs. That's, that's the message there in the Bible for all of us. Since there is a heaven, since there is eternal life, since we've got a great portion of it even inside of us right now through God's Spirit, we are looking forward to it and we, 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 with anticipation. Man, we get to go there. I wouldn't want to do anything to, to, to jeopardize that or not help other people get there or my whole family be with me. You know, it, it, with this in mind, I seek the things that are higher, that are more spiritual and not just the things this is important because it's hard for us sometimes in this life, let's face it, especially if your life is going good, all right? Another, the wisdom of kids is so amazing, okay, in their perspective. And then there was another story about the, uh, the Sunday school teacher who's, who's talking about heaven and saying, okay, who wants to go to heaven now, okay? And everybody puts their hand up except one little kid. And so the teacher goes, hey, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven and he goes, well, sure, I just thought you were getting up a load to go right now. <laughs> yeah, we all want to go to heaven. But, you know, honestly, the truth of the matter is if, if, if this afternoon, if God took our life, you know, if we're right with him, I mean, we'll we, we have no regrets. We won't miss anything. Maybe you didn't get to see the Falcons win a Super Bowl you know, maybe you never got to see New Zealand, you know, or whatever your bucket list thing is. But, you know, no regrets. No regrets. I want to close out here. Uh, again, a little child leads us. A uh, little girl who grew up in the city went to go see her grandparents, and uh, her, she and her dad, you know, once you get out of the city, you can really see those stars, right? I mean, it's gorgeous, beautiful. She wasn't accustomed to it and was walking along with her dad hand in hand and, and looked up like in the sky and said to her dad, Whoa, dad, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be? Did you realize that right now? We're sitting on the wrong side of heaven. And, and what the Bible says, we have no idea no mind has conceived, no eye has seen, nobody has ever been able to describe the things that God has prepared for those who love him. One day we will view that holy city. One day, but not yet. In the meantime, we'll take communion, live our lives, love our families until he comes. Here is how the Apostle Paul closes out chapter 5 on heaven. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and your body and your soul be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for doing what we could never do for ourselves, for the sacrifice, the death, the resurrection of your son Jesus. As we take this communion, Lord, we do it out of deep admiration, love, respect, humility, because of the sacrifice made for us. And thank you so much that Jesus at this present moment is preparing a place for each one of us. 
In his name we pray. Amen.